the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Happy Thursday morning, February 1st, 2024. This is Jack Windsor hosting The Bruce Hooley Show on 98.9 FM, The Answer. Thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you. And we have quite a show today. Is Bidenomics working or isn't it? We'll tackle that, the border and yesterday's tax bill with Congressman Warren Davidson in just a couple of minutes. What's up with the latest death penalty debate? We'll talk to State Representative Brian Stewart about it at 1135. The ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, what a misnomer, will file a lawsuit to contest the enforcement of House Bill 68. Now, that protects women by keeping men out of their sports and their private spaces. It also outlaws gender drugs and gender mutilation surgeries for minors. What does the lawsuit mean? We'll talk with 12th District Court, Circuit Court Judge, candidate Malena Siebert to find out at 11.50. Then, in the second hour, you'll hear a special report on the U.S. border crisis told by an Ohio father who wants you to know before it's too late and death and destruction come knocking on your door why you need to be aware and fight the lawlessness at our border. Mark Murphy will tell us his heartbreaking and somewhat inspiring story from noon until 1 p.m. Okay, let's go right to the phone. I want to welcome in United States Congressman Warren Davidson. He's a Republican representing Ohio's 8th Congressional District. Congressman Davidson, welcome back. How are you this morning, sir? I'm doing great. It's always great to talk with you, Jack. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's always an honor to have you. Uh, I know we've got two segments carved out today. I want to talk about the border. I want to talk about Bidenomics. And I want to talk about yesterday's tax bill, which you've taken some heat for. uh, But I stand behind you on your vote. Um, But let's start. First of all, I don't know if you heard... I will have in studio with me today for an hour, Mark Murphy, who I know is a uh, a member of your district, um, a citizen in your district, a, a voter in your district. Yeah, and a great friend. I mean, frankly, uh, the, the bill that I introduced to stop the Cartels Act, uh, we renamed it after his daughter, Lizzie Murphy, and it's, uh, it's now it's now the Lizzie Murphy Act to stop the cartels. And we're trying to reframe this. You know, we keep fighting over border security versus, you know, immigration reform. And I'm like, can we at least agree to stop the cartels? 
if we can do that, we can really make a difference for people like Lizzie Murphy. And so families like, uh, you know, Mark and Christy Murphy don't have to deal with uh, the tragedy that they've had to wrestle with. So let's talk about this on two levels. I want to talk about the um, Lizzie Murphy Stop the Cartels Act, uh, where that's at. And then I want to kind of get into some of the stats regarding the border. Uh, But what can you tell us about your bill? I'm looking at a press release from February of 2023, so almost a year ago. Uh, Where does that bill sit now? Yeah, uh, well, it it was helpful because uh, in trying to get that language adopted, uh, we got Speaker McCarthy to create a a select committee uh, to stop the cartels, a task force, really. So it's not like a full standing committee. It's like meant to be a short-term committee. And what they do is they produce, uh, you know, draft legislation and, frankly, a report. And the report will be helpful, but hopefully it'll build the case for why we need to have the legislation. And you had people like uh, Dan Crenshaw, who's now the chairman of it, wanting to declare essentially uh, an authorization for use of military force against the cartels, full on, you know, we're we're just going to treat them as enemies like al-Qaeda and start smoking them. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of support for that. Um, and then you had people that, um, you know, have a whole host of immigration reforms, people that have a whole host of border security form reforms. And my my push to the speaker was, how do we combine all these things and get them focused so that we stop having the same debate, you know, uh, less filling tastes great back and forth and, uh, you know, border security versus immigration and the political lines are entrenched. Maybe we can at least let Democrats find a way to save face to do some of this by agreeing to stop the cartels, because no one wants to be on the I'm with the pro-cartel uh, faction and uh, try to frame it that way. So hopefully by the end of, uh, you know, I don't know, probably the summer we'll start moving legislation and then we'll try to get something that, that works by this Congress that moves through the House that is the consensus from all these kind of various factions. And, you know, to me, it looks a lot like the Stop the Cartels Act, um, but granted, most of the people on this task force have their own legislation. And so what does this do? It fundamentally does uh, intelligence collection on the cartels. We don't collect intel on the cartels uh, except at law enforcement level. Like we should be treating them as enemies of our country. So uh, if you before you could do what Crenshaw wants and target them, you really need the, uh, the intelligence data. So we should be treating them like North Korea, Al Qaeda, ISIS, whatever. Uh, the cartels are really enemies of our country. And how we declare them enemies of our country is important because some people just want to designate them as terrorists, and they're not exactly terrorists. It's not the same tactics. But the other part is if you designate them terrorists, then everyone that lives anywhere where there's a cartel could say they have a credible fear, and you flood the border with asylum claims. Well, we're already getting it flooded, uh, and under the Biden administration, they're already being approved. But frankly, even with a President Trump, you could end up losing in court uh, if you designate everything as a, you know, a combat zone. And so that's where like the uh, AUMF approach, while, while um, gratifying on the one level, has some kind of unintended consequences on another. So um, the intelligence collection and the designation of, as, as an enemy of our country without, without um, uh, treating it as an active combat situation, I think it's important. And then you get down into some of the reforms like you know, what what counts as asylum claims. And some of those things are duplicative with what's already in H.R. 2. Uh, so H.R. 2 basically says remain in Mexico. Uh, it deals with what is known as the Flores settlement that lets um, 
it, it basically prevents any minors. So that's how the Biden administration says, oh, well, we have to f- expedite moving minors. Well, they've expedited it so much that they don't even collect biometric data anymore, mm-hmm. uh, which has resulted in 100,000 kids that they can't account for. So it's a disaster, and uh, and this bill would fix that, and some and some other things. It makes it makes uh, states and cities that are engaged in sanctuary city state behavior ineligible for federal grants. So there, there there's a long list there. Uh, some of it is in HR two, and uh, hopefully we can get that some version of that across the finish line. And even just getting HR two across the finish line would get a lot of it done. So, pardon me for saying this, but it appears to me that this is deliberate mismanagement and uh, incompetence that's sabotaging our country. Uh, a couple of things that I noted based on um, a report that I read from from the Heritage Foundation. Um, Alejandro Mayorkas dropped agreements with Mexico and other, other countries that would effectively deter fraudulent asylum claims by keeping applicants out of the country while their claims are evaluated. Um, he's ignoring legal requirement to detain those entering illegally. Um, He's preventing the Department of Homeland Security from enforcing immigration laws and decisions. So consequently, there were 72,000 last year, um, down from 186,000 that were turned away in in 2020, and 6 million aliens wandering free. Um, Look, a lot of people, we've only got about a minute on this, say going after Mayorkas would be fruitless, um, would it? And does this seem intentional to you? Uh, it is intentional. They promised to do it. They were very skillful, I would say. It's not the, a lack of competence. They're competent. They're doing what they intended to do, which is flooding the country with illegals, with non-citizens. And that's why he's earned impeachment. I mean, he, if you want to change the policy, you run for Congress. Uh, but if you want to be in the executive branch, your job is to faithfully execute the laws of the country. That's literally what he swore an oath to do. As secretary, he's willfully uh, violating that oath, willfully refusing to enforce the law. To me, that makes him an accomplice to all the illegal uh, entries uh, that he's helped facilitate and other crimes associated with it. I think uh, it's way overdue that we impeach him, but he's earned it. So, you know, part of it is we're going to make people aware because awareness is the first step to change. Uh, Of course, so we'll have Mark Murphy in the second hour, and he's going to bring some stuff that's going to shock people. Um, And... H.R. 2 will be an important piece of legislation to get over the finish line. Uh, Congressman Davidson, uh, if you're still okay with it, I'd love to keep you um, for one more segment. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about the the Biden White House and their take on the economy versus reality. Is that cool? Sounds great. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm joined by U.S. Congressman Warren Davidson, who represents Ohio's 8th Congressional District. And uh, up next, we're going to that uh, really kind of tease out some of the comments coming from the White House on Bidenomics and the state of the economy. So you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned to 98.9 FM, The Answer, The Bruce Woolley Show. I'm Jack Windsor filling in, and uh, we'll be back right after the break. A week ago, last Thursday, actually, the Biden White House said of the economy, today we learned that the U.S. economy grew 3.1% over the past year year, while adding another 2.7 million jobs, with the core inflation moving back down towards the 
pre-pandemic benchmark. As a result, wages, wealth, and employment are higher now than they were before the pandemic. That's good news for American families and American workers. That is three years in a row of growing the economy from the middle out and the bottom up on my watch. Congressman, I hear that, but I see UPS cutting 12,000 jobs five months after inking a labor deal. Lord knows what's up for the auto industry. Uh, Prices for uh, groceries and gas, I pay them. I feel it. Borrowing rates for homes, cars, revolving credit, energy costs for manufacturers or to heat your home or to pipe in electricity, and prices for big assets like homes and cars. Tale of two two realities here. How do you see it, Congressman? Well, the Biden administration isn't being honest. Uh, frankly, uh, no surprise. They're, they're that tactic on every front. But the economy is one that people know the truth so easily. They're, they're like, no, I go to the store. I, I, you know, prices might not still be increasing. That's when they say inflation. That's like the slope of the line, right? It, the, the slope might be flattening out now, and you can say that and point to it. But the truth is prices are still way higher than people are used to paying, mm-hmm. and wages haven't gone up enough for that. So you know, this is known as you know, the nominal number versus the real number. The real number is the, the part that – like the buying power of your dollar. So we proved that you can print money. Right. Uh, You know, that's nothing new. You can print money. But we also hopefully proved and people get is that you can't guarantee that once you do that, that uh, you can buy the same amount of stuff because people know they can't buy the same amount of stuff. If you already own a home, uh, the asset that is most widely held by people that serves serves as a store of value. Well, your house is inflated from what it used to be. Mm -hmm. And that's how inflation works. First, there's monetary inflation, the money supply. Um, and then asset prices go up. And so home prices are great. So if you already have a house and you don't plan to move, you're like, well, you know, it's not the worst thing. Then you start seeing it hit things that are bad. It goes into consumer prices, uh, the, the cost of goods and services. And that really hits people. And it especially hurts uh, people on fixed incomes. So you look at our seniors on uh, Social Security, for example. This is where the government data is so dishonest. They'll say, oh, CPI, consumer price index, inflation is only like 2 or 3%. So they get an increase in their Social Security of 2 3 4%. The reality is since 2020, the bundle of goods is up you know, 20% for most things. And you know, you'll see other dishonest claims by the government, and they'll say, well, you know, inflation is this, excluding – uh, you know, food, energy, and healthcare, and you're like, oh yeah, because my budget excludes food, energy, and healthcare. You know, so it's very dishonest number. And the other one they don't talk about when they say, oh, unemployment is low, is they don't talk about labor force participation. So we still don't have, as a percentage of the economy, as many people as a percentage participating in the workforce as we did before COVID. So the economy is a long way from truly being recovered. The nominal number is higher because of the inflation. That's fake growth. And the numbers that they point, we spent $2 trillion of uh, deficit spending, and the reality is uh, only about 600000 of that has made it to GDP. So uh, you're printing money. The whole thing is fake. That's exactly it. It's just fake, 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 fake. So um, I don't know if I want to kick this dead horse anymore, but uh, you know the, the federal deficit, as you said, it, it, it was on par you know, depending on what gets over the finish line to double from last year. Um, so you, what, you print more money? I mean, how does the forecast look promising? I mean, in your eyes, are prices only going to go up? 
Well, I mean, certain things, the, the challenge is, um, if, if you look at uh, housing, the demand is greater than the supply. And part of the reason the supply is being held low is people don't want to sell their house. The, you know, if you've got a two-thirds of the country has a mortgage below uh, 4%, 4, 4.5%. Two-thirds has got a mortgage below what you could even possibly find in the market. So people don't really want to sell their houses. Some of them will say, well, I'll turn this into a rental and then I'll buy something else or maybe even I'll rent for now. Uh, but that's that's reducing the supply. The builders are out there, uh, mostly still booked, but some of them are checking up because uh, of causes for alarm, like you're seeing in the economy, and uh, and and uncertainty. And and most of that uncertainty is political uncertainty. And and so you know we'll see how that goes. But certain things you're going to see prices hold. Uh, and the hard thing is you're seeing employers not pass through enough wages because the labor market is softening a bit. And so that means the employers aren't feeling the need to say, well, we'll give you a 5% raise, but you're not going to get a 15% raise. And the reality is if you haven't got a 15% raise over the past few years uh, collectively, you haven't kept up with your buying power. Mm, Good point. Hey, I only have about a minute on this, and I'm sorry to do this to you, but um, Chairman Smith is a Republican from Missouri who said of the – Tax Relief for American Families and Workers Act. Uh, Because of this bill, working parents crushed by high prices will have an easier time putting food on the table. More things will be made here in America, and the nation will be more competitive with China. You voted against the bill, Congressman. In in one minute, can you tell us why? Yeah, I mean, I put an explanation out on my official Facebook page and on my personal, uh, you know, Twitter, the at Warren Davidson. You can see it on Twitter X. Um, It takes about five, but uh, but but basically, look, this is a tax bill so bad that the Wall Street Journal opposed it. Ninety one percent of the payments go to people that don't even pay taxes. Ninety one percent. So this is essentially a welfare expansion bill. Uh, the corporate provisions make sense, but they're only for two years. So it doesn't provide certainty for long term investments for corporations. Uh, what it does is it continues to extract lobbying dollars from everybody that would fund lobbying. So it's a pretty perverse bill. Uh, and, and the Senate isn't even going to take it. So they're going to modify it and probably make it even worse uh, and then send it back to the House. So it really is a half-baked idea. It should have never gone to the floor, and it should have been subject to amendment. Yeah. When they say it takes away the large family penalty, what I hear is welfare expansion. And I think you just said the same. Uh, Congressman Davidson, thank you for spending two segments with us today. I know your time is precious, and we really appreciate you. Keep standing up. Keep standing up for conservative values on Capitol Hill And uh, thank you for carving out time for us today, sir. Yeah, absolutely. Always an honor. God bless you and your listeners. Thank you. God bless you. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Uh, Let's see. What do we have next, Jeff? So we'll be at 1135. State Representative Brian Stewart's going to be here. And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a new debate about the death penalty. What's that all about? We'll find out next. So stay tuned. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.